right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Busted Header Podcast. I'm Chris, a.k.a. Not the Fake Webby, and I'm joined by the looking very ill, uh, Halbertius, a.k.a. Hal, a.k.a. Jake. Not ill, just tired. Just mentally unstable. In large part because the basketball has been maybe bad. That's it. You you skipped out on last night's game, which is why you still look like a sane person. Um... The I look healthy of, and happy. The rest of us are suffering, all right? Um, uh, the start quick out recap the... did not do it justice from what, you, no. uh, what you've said for the game. <laughs> no. Uh, should start with the uh, disclaimer that I'm currently watching the Michigan game. So if there yeah, he's going to be uh, at half attention on this. Exclamations of excitement. That's that's why. Uh, speaking of which, how are you feeling about your Spartans? You're, what, two games in now? I watched the yeah, first game. game. Or three? Two. Three. Two? Two. Um, I mean, as a whole, I think it's a young team that has a lot of like places to develop. But I like a lot of some of the some of the things we got. Like Hoggard looks. Fed- How do you say his name? Hoggard. I I've never yeah, quite figured that out. I can never remember if it's Hoggard or Hogard. I think I think. Uh, I change it every time I say it. I want to say Hogard is is like what I hear the, on the broadcast. Yeah, but, but I think he's a. I mean, he showed flashes the year prior of kind of being like the Izzo point guard what we want. And then we brought in, you know, Tyson Walker, who has been pretty underwhelming, I'd say, so far. So, but Hoggard Hogard has done phenomenal, I thought. Like in the, those uh, you, guys, you guys were Kentucky? Kansas. You, you played Kansas. I can never, I, I get them mixed up every time. Yeah, the Kansas game, like, he was definitely the one player where it was like, oh, like, he's he's ready for it today. And that was a, mm-hmm. a pretty good game from from him. Yep. I love me some so, Max Christie. Quite yes, a bit. he looks. Max Christie is he looks very every fun. bit. Yeah, Tyson Tyson Walker. I think people misunderstood that he's not a senior transfer. Mm-hmm. Like he's a like second year player or something like that. Like he's he he's young. Like he isn't the guy that comes in and has fourteen thousand minutes of basketball under his belt. You know. But I think people expected him to be a you know a phenomenal scorer, and he has not uh, shown that so far. Well, I just I think least. there's going to be a longer uh, transition period for him than yeah. Like, I expected Mike Smith last year to come in for Michigan and just basically be that dude because he'd been that dude for three and a half years, four years at Providence. I can't remember if he did the – if he had a COVID senior year or just a regular senior year. But, um, yeah, I mean, Marble looks fun. Hauser is Hauser. He's going to do kind of the same thing he's always done. Tiny Bingham, face. who I always liked. Big head, I, tiny face. I, <laughs> I've always been in the Marcus Bingham camp. He looks pretty good. He's off to a pretty good start this year. Uh, the big concern, I would say, would be Malik Hall, who's been a little bit... You expect a little bit more development, considering all the minutes he's gotten over the past couple of years, and he seems to be going in the wrong direction. So, I don't trust that, any person on that roster above, like, six foot eight. Whatever, uh, whatever, however trust, Paul no. Brown is, that's the cutoff. Everyone above that, I don't trust any of them. <laughs> pretty much any of the forwards, if you consider Gabe the wing. Yeah, yeah if, no. if, Gabe, if Gabe, Gabe Brown... It's the tallest person I trust on that team. No one else. I hope Marble has Marble has more in store. But yeah, we can talk about it all day. I'm not a fan of Marble's game. All right. um, News recaps of uh, of the week. Four games down. uh, Beat the Rockets. Spend a minute. uh, Got 
the shit kicked out of us by the Cavs. Uh, beat the Raptors. <laughs> look like a look like a G League team against the Cavs <laughs> for yeah. some stretches of that game. And then uh, and then we lost to the Kings. And if the Cavs game was getting the shit kicked out of us, the Kings game was also getting your face rubbed in it. So uh, two really terrible losses, two uh, pretty good vibe wins. Uh, honestly, those losses were so bad. I'm still feeling pretty negative about the week. Um, <laughs> I think if we if we left off, what was the Raptors game? It's on Friday or Saturday? Was it Friday? It was Saturday. In I don't the past, remember. doesn't matter. Yeah, if we the left off with that, I think lost. you'd be feeling good. <laughs> but after having to watch that Kings game, I'm sure that's what the taste is left over in your mouth is not good. Oh, you mean if we swapped those two around? And, yeah, and we were if, coming off. The, if the I, last one you played was the Raptors, yeah, may, maybe. Uh, I got a lot of. I really issues. like what the team showed in that Raptors game. So <laughs> uh, yes, but I have a lot of issues with the Kings game, and they're unfortunately we'll, we'll get into it. But they're issues that have been around for a while. Um, some other other bits of news here: uh, Kelly Olynyk is injured, MCL sprain, uh, out for six weeks. I think we've heard, so he basically won't be back until the new year. Um, I think I heard like six to eight, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's six for reevaluation. So like he won't be back yeah. until after the new year. Um, mm-hmm. The other weird one is the Hamadou Diallo incident. Did you catch this one? I did not. No. So he got called up off the bench in. Was it the Raptors game? Uh, I think it was the Raptors game. It might have been the Cavs game. Uh, gets called up off the bench. Clearly is sulking a little bit that he hasn't had time. Uh, walks past Dwayne Casey who's doing the hey what's up with you man and gives him <laughs> something and Dwayne Casey gives him a look and tells him to sit back down and then Troy Weaver goes and pulls him into the locker room for a few minutes to have a chat uh so that's just floating around out there also he was liking tweets from somebody saying uh oh that's never good <laughs> I, I miss him in OKC so just Hami is is going through some stuff here um, Hami's in the fields right now. Uh, that was the Raptors game. Yeah, so uh, it was just an interesting wrinkle. He did come out and have which, a pretty nice uh, cameo against the Kings, but yeah. Yeah, with Hami, Hami is definitely one of the guys that is like a Troy Weaver guy. Like, he wouldn't be on this team if he didn't get drafted, I think, from Troy's uh, Thunder days, so... That is an interesting dynamic, him and Casey. Maybe he's upset that he's not getting the minutes that he was promised beforehand. I don't quite know who he should be pushing out for minutes at the moment. Like, Any him and Josh Jackson, wings. I see very... I mean, like... Let, let, let's be like, really who, clear. Who, who, Frank has been terrible. Frank had a bounce-back game. I want to say it was, again, the Raptors game, because he made shots. So the Raptors game is the one where everybody actually shot the ball. I think um, he did pretty good against the Kings, too. He At least I remember him making some threes, which but was like <laughs> I remember him at, not making many threes prior to that. As of the Raptors game, Hamid sat down behind uh, a Josh Jackson who was playing like shit, Frank Jackson who was playing like you know even worse than shit, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean Kojo doesn't really play the same position, but Kojo has yeah. been Kojo in that mix, yeah. So like you know, there's just been a wall in front of him. I mean, and there's been games where like. Sadiq Bay has been pretty shocking, and he didn't get you know even garbage time. So I you know you have to behave yourself, and I don't know exactly what he said as he walked by Casey. It wasn't bad enough that he didn't get into the Kings game, 
So yeah, he's you know, not like sent away from the team, <laughs> right? So whatever it was, we don't know. Um, you know, and I, I will, I do want to say, he didn't refuse to come in the game. Like there were some people that like immediately like jumped on the story and was like, Hamadou Diallo refuses to enter game for Dwayne Casey, and I was like, no, <laughs> it was just like some bad vibes, and Dwayne Casey didn't feel like giving him six garbage time minutes yeah. for it. You know. Yeah, it sounds like he was uh, he was going to go into the game. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. So <laughs> wasn't too happy. I, you know, I want to I want to scale it back just a little bit on the seriousness. Event I guess but... it was probably a it was probably a well it's about time I go in kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I... Casey's like the fuck are you talking about? Sit yeah. Down kid. Yeah. That would be my probably, guess. Is how probably that, something in that. Probably range, how that went down. So. Yeah, um, I don't think it's anything too maybe like long term divide in the locker room or anything like that. I think it's just. Uh, no, he's probably I hope upset not. and also he can't be traded for an entire month, uh, December fifteenth. So like either way, he's going to be here for a while, and there's plenty of time for them to work it out. Um, so uh, moving on, I guess to the fun stuff. Um, yeah, <laughs> fun. <laughs> uh, Clarence's parents have a real nice marriage, and Cade Cunningham uh, beats Jalen Green in the Rockets game. Have you missed the was, Clarence where Green? Where are you going with that one? Have you missed the Clarence Green? I have as well. I'm not shtick. on Twitter much anymore. Oh my god. Uh, so this was a, a kooky oh. heel shtick that uh, God damn, I'm sad about because, this now. Because Clarence was talking about how he was such a gangster and like so hard, and then he came out with stuff about like how he wouldn't be caught in the streets in Detroit and he wouldn't he'd be scared to leave his door. Yeah, I do remember that. So so cool was going off about like, oh you Clarence now, because Clarence is the guy <laughs> from uh, eight mile, you know, yeah, the guy from, who from Cranbrook. Yeah. Whose parents have a real nice marriage. Whose, whose parents have a real out. nice marriage. So now you're all caught up. My fantasy basketball team right now, I have Clint Capella as one of my like guys. It's uh, uh, fuck, fuck the beat, I'll go acapella. With a, <laughs> a picture from 8 Mile of Marshall just going like, fuck to Clarence. And then <laughs> I, I photoshopped quickly Clint Capella on Marshall's head. And Hashim the beat on Clarence's head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll just send that one on Twitter. <laughs> so that was a, a pretty good matchup, I guess. Uh, we did, uh, Cade did get dunked on, kind of. It was Jeremy Grant's missed assignment. But uh, beyond that, he <laughs> I could have put pretty... that one in fully on Cade. <laughs> well, that was a that was a Cade having to guard an entire side of the floor because Jeremy Green was ball watching and not in help position dunk. So it's on Jeremy Green, but it looks bad for Cade. Uh, Jeremy you know, Grant? Like the... Sorry, yeah, yeah. Jeremy Grant. This is what happens when I'm, you know, my other eye is watching the Michigan game. <laughs> You're a little preoccupied. I expected yes. Michigan to be pulling away with this by this point, so I was hoping second half you'd be able to focus a little more. Seton Hall is gigantic, and they're they're they like gave very. Us, they're was that two years ago. They're like the they're like the twentieth oldest team and like the twentieth tallest team. Uh, so they're just like a pain in the ass to play. They're they're they'll be a decent team, probably a, a tournament team. So. It was uh, 2019 we played them, where what's his face? Miles Powell. Miles Powell, yeah, just went off against us. Yep, yep. Um, so then we get to the Cavs game. Honestly, I think the Cavs game was mostly just the brick fest. I mean, yep. there was some bad stuff, really bad stuff. It looked bad. I, that was fine. Sadiq, one of his worst games. I thought, like he just looked there, like he was, was an There was some funk. bad stuff, and I don't feel like talking about the bad Cavs stuff because we've got bad Kings stuff to talk about. Let's save the Raptors game for a second so we can end on a higher note. Uh, okay. Last go, into your, game, go into your Kings talk because you are just hot about this I, right now. I'm just furious that so so we've seen we see this in college. This was this was a college team loss where the other team is is like running in transition 
and your college coach can't get his point guard to run a fucking play. And they just like <laughs> you just try and race the other team the entire game. Except the Pistons did it for four quarters. They never ran a play, and they just got their ass like crushed. And it was just counterpoint. It was just garbage, 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 more garbage. Never running like they they ran no sets all game. It was they didn't. It was this just, has been my critique of Casey for a while now. But, but Casey's thing normally is he runs their their normal offense, you know, and they run a slow, ponderous offense. This time they went and ran in transition, except they wouldn't. Run, they weren't even running in transition. They were running down straight into an ISO. That's not Casey ball. Casey ball is running four handoffs that do nothing before somebody pulls it into an ISO. <laughs> before Jeremy Grant ISOs in the corner, yeah. <laughs> and, and the problem with Casey ball isn't even necessarily the offense. It's that he hasn't seemed to coach people to recognize where the advantages are so they don't take advantage of what the offense gives them because it's too cerebral an offense for some of these players. That's the Casey ball problem. This was just garbage and he never adjusted a damn thing. And that infuriates me. I, it's fine if you don't want to run. Well, no, it's not fine if you don't want to run pick and rolls and stuff for <laughs> these guys. It's not fine. It's bad for their development. It's objectively bad for Killian Hayes. It's objectively bad for Cade Cunningham to do that. But when you are getting boat raced and you're you know you should be losing by like 45 points and Cade Cunningham ends up with like 25 8 and 8 and it's like the only thing keeping Mm -hmm. us in this game but you're getting your ass handed to you and you don't do anything I just like this is such a problem this is a a thing that Casey does every time his team is losing is just I'll let him lose and we'll deal with it next game and like no you just, you just, like, Killian Hayes didn't play for, an, like, an entire, like, half because he was having a bad game because he wasn't playing offense. Like, they, they weren't running anything, so Killian gets lost in the muck there. Like, mm-hmm. we just lost a half game of Killian Hayes for no for, for nothing, like, you because you didn't want to coach. You just decided not to, like, the very first play of the game, they were running stuff, and Sadiq Bey just decided not to run it and just, like, stood there and looked at the rim and after, like, 12 seconds was like, I'm going to shoot this. And he made it, but he was just, and, and as soon as you see that, it's just like, oh, we're fucked. Because as soon as we're players come into a game, and like, we got outcoached dramatically by Luke Walton. <laughs> Luke Walton, who should have been fired three years ago from the Kings, like kicked hey, our ass. put some respect on Luke Walton's name. Doesn't he have the longest winning streak by any coach in the NBA? Or no, it's the longest... Opening game winning streak as the starting, yeah, whatever the heck it was. I when could have that if I had Steph Curry. Pretty sure I could. <laughs> if I had the, <laughs> if you had the 2015-2016 Lakers or right. Warriors. <laughs> now, and and so my my big problem here is just like, there is no takeaway from the Kings game, because our coach decided not to have any takeaways from the Kings game. Like I can't say, oh, he made changes or like the one thing is he did continue the staggered lineup we saw in the raps game which we'll get to in the raps game um but like we just wasted a whole game you you only get 82 of these and i know that sounds like a lot but like there aren't actually (laughs) that many minutes you you get to the off season and you find yourself wanting these back and we wasted it completely Mm -hmm. and not only did we waste it we wasted it building bad habits like it was a step, and, and that just infuriates me because it's not hard to change. Literally, all you have to do is try something. 
Not asking you yeah. to win the game. Not asking for that. I'm asking you to attempt a process that we can evaluate and say, yeah, this worked or don't. Play a fucking zone defense, like a full court press all game. I don't care. Throw something out there that we can look at and say, you tried to, to win. You know, you tried to win the game. Again, you don't have to be successful. I don't expect to win these games. But, like, <laughs> I need to see that you're trying something. I need to see that this team is learning something. And they're not right now. And that's so... It, it We don't have time. <laughs> like, yeah. we, we've seen this, you know... I don't think people realize this yet. Cade is that good. He like, is. We see, <laughs> He's we've starting seen to show this, these last couple games. We've seen this with Zion and Luka, right? Like, they're that good. And immediately your team is on a timer, right? Your team's on a timer to keep... Like, obviously to keep them or trade them or what... Like, they're that good. You have mm-hmm. maybe this year... Maybe next year you can get away with being bad before you have to be good. And if you can't get Killian Hayes up to speed this year, you fucked your whole timeline. You don't have uh, the the Thunder's cash of assets, right? You don't have mm-hmm. an ability to make mistakes. Your only asset right now is Cade and uh, Jeremy Grant. Like, I don't think yep. you, you can trade Isaiah Stewart or... Or uh, Sadiq Bay at this point. Sadiq. I don't think you can trade them for. Um, I think you can. They're not major assets. They're no, still like, assets. You can. You, you can trade them. They're not big chips. But you will get the same thing back, right? You aren't gonna. You yeah. probably aren't trading them. At, like Sadiq Bay is really good. Really good gets you another three and D wing that's maybe just four years older and a little like more ready to compete. But you're not getting three first round picks for Sadiq Bay, right? You might no. get rotation players and two like high firsts for. Jeremy Grant, right? You might get uh, an 18 and a 25 for Jeremy Grant. And by the way, I'm kind of in the of the mind that you should be listening to those offers all the time. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, like... I think Troy is, to, to give him credit. But, like, that's it. That's your whole war chest is these guys' development. Because you don't have extra picks. You don't have a superstar that you're going to trade and rebuild with. You had nothing... Mm-hmm. You've built just the tiniest bit of something out of nothing. That something has to grow organically. And these are the games where it has to change so that we get something out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I know. I agree 100%. And I, I don't know if you have something to let me catch my breath here. <laughs> you did kind of go on a little bit, so I'm not sure where to jump in on it. But, I mean, it's rough. And there's a lot of times where I feel like Casey, the offense that he puts out there is just not something that's ready to to have a player like a Killian Hayes, like a like a Cade Cunningham. Like I don't think the offense that he's putting out there for them is not it's it's not up to the standard of what's gonna make them better and make them the best that they can be. And that's I think the biggest concern. I think he brings a lot to the table in terms of, you know, like a lot of player chemistry stuff. I think he does a good job of like rehabilitating some players that have had issues in the past, kinda of getting them like your Josh Jacksons, your Christian Wood before him kind of making sure to get them on the right path, put them in a professional environment and whatnot. And I don't think it, you're ever going to see like the locker room quit on Dwayne Casey, but I don't think you're ever going to see them reach their potential potential around him the same way, you know, you look at the Warriors when they had uh, Mark Jackson, where the offense just wasn't there. And he, Mark Jackson brought a lot of good things. I don't think ever gets he gets quite the credit for, especially defensively for that Warriors team. But they're never going to hit their ceiling or get where they should be with a Frank Jackson or a Dwayne Casey as the coach. Frank Jackson? Now I'm, now I'm really messed. Mark Jackson. <laughs> so. This 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 line of uh, thought is unfair to Dwayne Casey, but continue. 
What are you saying? Because you think Dwayne Casey deserves more respect than Mark Jackson? Yes, by a lot. Mark, I mean, I think he. Mark Jackson. I think he's a better coach than Mark Jackson, but Mark, I think it's the same kind of situation. But also, Mark Jackson decided to hold like a freaking seance to get a devil Look, out of a player. He's insane. Mark Jackson had and not a good person. The stories got, like, that came out of that are insane. Don't get me wrong. Uh, that that part of that, that I'm just he's, saying he's on the a surface. He's a preacher who was like caught with a stripper. Like we we just we've got a lot of things to talk about with Mark Jackson that like putting him in I'm talking about the situation <laughs> they're polar opposites in terms of actual human beings and kind of what the the intangibles they brought to the locker room don't get me wrong there when Mark Jackson had a great assistant coach he ran him out of town when Dwayne Casey had a great assistant coach he ended up losing his job to him like there's a lot of differences between the two but I'm saying the situation if it continues to fester in the way that it has is not a good sign and it could lead us down and it could end up being the same kind of situation that the Warriors ran into, where they needed to get a new coach to hit their ceiling. Which I think we we both agree that Dwayne Case will not be the coach long term for this team. No, like at his point in his at this point in his career, with you know the team that's around that, it, it's just a get us off the ground kind of thing. The Warriors is he the right person to get it off the ground? Which I feel like we also brought up a lot as well. So <sighs> I, I guess the last I bit I want to say about that is that. The best evidence of my frustration has been DeMar DeRozan. You know, I think, <laughs> that like when DeMar was in Toronto, I was not a fan. You were and not, no. I that is accurate. I thought he was pretty heavily overrated, and I was proven pretty correct because he routinely didn't do anything in the playoffs and like routinely had struggles in big games. And it wasn't because DeMar wasn't talented. It's because Dwayne Casey just let DeMar be DeMar and thought, okay, as long as DeMar's the best DeMar, you know... That's cool. Then DeMar goes to San Antonio and does what I asked him to do for years, which is learn how to be an elite playmaker, and suddenly he becomes a drive-and-kick machine. And mm-hmm. that San Antonio team was a little weird and couldn't shoot. <laughs> yeah, but like, the team around him really let him down sometimes there. They, they were, I think for a couple of years, like they were like 30th in three-point attempt rate, but they were like oh, 28th, or they, they were like second in um, like three-point percentage. Yeah. So like... And a big part of that was, like, DeMar was just crafting awesome looks whenever he did need to kick it out. And he became, like, an eight-assist-a-game guy for a couple of years. And now you well, that see was the team that had That was a team that had DeMar and LaMarcus Aldridge, who were taking a lot of kind of long twos, and DeMar was driving towards the hole. So it was something where they took a lot of those three-pointers away as well. Right. But, yes, DeMar did make a giant leap forward in terms but, of a playmaker on those first teams. But he took... He remained... Like, the thing that, that always get, was true about DeMar is like his true shooting percentage was always great like even though he mm-hmm. didn't shoot threes his own scoring efficiency was great so then it was a question of how do you take that that gravity that he absolutely has as a driver and add it you know to a team concept and he became a good playmaker in San Antonio because Pop said cool DeMar is good at being DeMar now I need to make DeMar valuable to basketball <laughs> yep and winning basketball. now we see him in Chicago, and he looks like an MVP candidate this year because they have shooting, and DeMar is being DeMar, <laughs> but he's also been coached properly on how to, like, pass the fucking basketball and make pick-and-roll reads and all the shit he wasn't doing in Toronto. And it's like... But to be fair to the Bulls, they have, they have a really great team around him as well. I'd, well, like, right. Yes, but, DeMar has been phenomenal in there, but there's a lot of good players around him as well. But, but this is the point, is, you know, you have someone like Killian Hayes... And yeah, you can let Killian Hayes just kind of do stuff and he might, you know, he should eventually grow into being a decent player. But if you don't 
understand who he is and build something that maximizes that, all you're going to get is whatever Killian Hayes thinks is the best for himself. That's not coaching. Mm -hmm. That's just letting time pass. That's entropy. (laughs) Like, (laughs) we, like, you know, if we just let Isaiah Stewart be Isaiah Stewart and we don't figure out, like, he can't shoot threes, but, like, he can shoot 18-footers. Can we add that as a wrinkle? Like, a big, this is a big issue people have been coming up with is, oh, my God, he's not shooting this year. He was never yeah. a good shooter from three. Yeah. What you guys remember from last year, like, two, like I, I, think, I think it's like 40% of his jumpers were from the, like, 12 to 18-foot range. Like, he was hitting the, the Pau Gasol elbow jumpers all the time. Okay, let's let's build back on that. Again, we're not asking for perfect offense. We're asking to play to these guys' strengths. Run, you know, let him catch and shoot. Encourage these catch and shoots. Encourage him to at least be comfortable in his own skin as a shooter so that when he gets threes, he's comfortable taking them. Right mm-hmm. now, he's scared shitless to take a three. That's not good. That's, like, that's not a regression from a skills perspective, but it's a regression from a coaching perspective. You know, uh, yeah. Sadiq Bey was terrified of shooting after a few misses. Why? Like, you have to ask, that that's a serious question that, like, it's a problem with Sadiq Bey, but you have to ask how you as a coach can fix it, and I didn't see anything change at all. It seems like he's fixed the shot and had a couple games and he's back in the swing of things, but, like, I, it, this is just a problem. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Jeremy Grant has basically regressed as a player right now because he's being allowed to do shit he shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And I think you bring up a great point with Jeremy Grant, where... Watching Jeremy Grant play and watching some of the offense that he creates is, I would say, at one of the higher points for Jeremy's career in terms of his talent, in terms of where he's playing right now. He is in his prime at his peak. Some of the drives that he was making in, like, the Rockets game, in the Raptors game, like, one of the one of the drives he had against, the like, the Rockets, I thought it was, a, like, Giannis-level drive. He took two steps and just threw it down with authority through two defenders didn't matter just was so aggressive so unstoppable but my problem is is yes he can do that and he's shown the ability to do that many times over but it never seems to come on the floor of the offense it's always he gets the ball in a corner and decides all right it's my turn to go for the hole it's my turn to attack and he's been i mean i don't have the statistics obviously in front of me but i think he's been one of the better or more efficient uh you know, attackers of the lane in the NBA this year. Like, he's been so good and so aggressive going to the hole with a team that's not quite there yet. And it's like, where is the coaching around that? Where is the, you know, getting him off rolls to go towards the rim? It always seems like it's always an isolation that he do- he scores well or he does well in. And I'm just, uh, it's just something that's always frustrating me about this offense and about Dwayne Casey is there's just not much going on offensively and we're not playing to the players' strengths. And it's just kind of, we coach them in terms of playing to their best potential individually, but we don't bring them together as a team. Well, and this is one of the things that I think is a stark contrast between the Raptors game and the Kings game. Um, you know, and one of my big complaints about Jeremy, and this is also true of Sadiq and Josh, uh, those three especially, is like they make Dwayne Casey's offense look worse than it is because there will be an advantage created for them and they'll just stop and pull the ball out. And they don't yeah. see it. You know, Jeremy... Uh, this year has just like he'll come off a dribble handoff and it won't be against he won't get the switch he'll still be defended by another six eight six nine forward and he'll just back it out and like iso on him 
And it's like that's not, like where is the coaching? And we see it over and over and over. It's the same. And, it's not like anything well, has changed. I, have, just, I, I don't understand uh, how to critique Dwayne Casey on this because, like, on one hand, yes, um, like you should be coaching Jeremy to make these better decisions. On the other hand, like you're putting him in a in a offensive flow, and he's just stopping it. Like it's it's very much a decision on his but part. But for to me, not... it boils down to you're putting him in the right spot, but you're not explaining to him what he needs to do with that. If he repeatedly pulls it out and wants to go iso ball, like you're not you're not giving him the full picture at that point. You're I, not telling him how he needs to finish I, it. I agree in some cases, and sometimes I think that he just has a long leash because right now there's no competition for him. Right? You can't. Oh, that's true. You can't pull. <laughs> you can't pull Jeremy because there's nobody behind him that can challenge him. And I I don't know how much you know, how much credit to give each party. You want to say the buck always stops with Casey. I don't think that's entirely fair. Um, you know, but it's a stark contrast between the Kings game and the Raptors game because in the Raptors game, we saw Killian Hayes' best game, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was almost assuredly his best game as a Piston. I think he had a like a 22-point game against the Hawks last year. Yeah, he definitely had one random game where he... Um, looked really good, but in terms of passing, I don't think he he had so many like great finds in that Raptors game. I don't think he's had a game from an offensive standpoint in terms of facilitating quite as good as that one. Right, and you know, and it was a game where like they let him run pick and roll, and he was you know he was getting a chance to sit and mm-hmm. manipulate things. He was getting a chance to like he dominated touches early. Uh, not that Cade wasn't playing, you know, but Cade was mostly doing stuff in transition, and they get to the half court and they were giving Killian some touches and like. The Pistons had their best shooting night and their best offensive night that they've had all year. And it wasn't particularly close. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and it's like, okay, so we give our pick and roll point guard a chance to pick and roll and make plays. Uh, you know, and this is like, he still hasn't learned how to get to the rim all the way and finish all the way. But he's he mm-hmm. hit open shots. He created things. And guess what? Jeremy Grant had a, a game where it looked really good for him because he was getting the ball as part of a second or third action with a like a wide open lane and a decision already made for him and a, like an advantage so clear he couldn't pass it up, and it's like why is this not the norm, right? Why are yep. we not doing this all the time? You know, we I, again we can't be too mad when when people miss open shots and we got to be careful about critiquing things that generate open shots. But like I I've mentioned this a whole bunch in the video threads I do. The Pistons have a Spain set they run all the time. Um, you know, where, where somebody mm-hmm. sets a back screen on a pick and roll roll man, and then they flare out to three while the roll man gets like an, a cleaner roll. And either, usually either two men stick with the roll man or two men stick with the, the like back screener and one of them's open. And if you have a good playmaker, which Killian and Cade both are, somebody just has to make a decision or they have like a floater or a little stop and pop jumper. The Spain sets are great. Every time we run it, we get somebody open and like at least 80% of the time we make a good decision out of it. Why do we run that twice a game? Yep. <laughs> like, is it, I, I don't understand. I, I, you can never tell if it's, if it's something where the players don't want to run it, if they're not, if it's called in the huddle and they decide not to, you know, and, and go through with it or not it's it. not going to call it or what? That's definitely not it, because they'll run the bad shit. Too. Like, this is where I just, I don't understand the process, because high school coaches have an assistant next to them where they go, oh, we ran Spain, 
you know, and the and the coach, you know, the high school coach has an assistant that like hears every play call and you know records a bucket or a not bucket and and tells the coach at halftime, hey, we ran a fist set four times and we scored two buckets. We ran Spain five times and scored five times. We should run more Spain. And the coach goes, damn, son, that's good information. And then they continue to run fists because coaches are stupid. I, like, but like, <laughs> what do you? I I don't. I just don't get the process when we have evidence repeatedly that doing things like this makes life easier for everyone i don't know the appreciation of the choir on it <laughs> Be- like the yeah. raptors game, and you get down to the end and the raptors game becomes an iso fest and Cade just starts going off yep and Cade like, just shows what he's worth and those and those isos down the lane yeah like, and it, it was it was awesome uh but you know what Kate did that because he had legs because he didn't have to carry everything and just, you know, ISO the shit out of everything for three quarters. That's Mm -hmm. those are, you know, intrinsically connected concepts that we let Cade go off in the fourth quarter because he didn't have to go off in the second quarter to bring us back from a 12 point deficit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that's a really important thing. Because we had good offense the whole game and we didn't have to like have a rush comeback. Yeah, it was. Novel idea, having good offense throughout and not having to get out of a hole. <laughs> it's something the Pistons have not had recently and something that we definitely need to be more of. Um, you know, I pulled some, <laughs> some stats just this morning. The Pistons have had uh, the, the, the Cleveland loss and the Kings loss are two of their four worst losses uh, in the last two seasons. Their margin of victory right now is negative 10.7 points. I think I'm pulling this off the top <laughs> of my head out of memory from, like, lunchtime. But negative uh, 10.7 points, that's awful. <laughs> that's getting, you know, that's getting blown out every game. That's a double-digit loss margin. I Last believe it's year, 10.9, actually. Even worse. Oh, God. Last year, I think it was 5.5, I want to say, which is, like, really good. Even last year when Jeremy was sitting in, like, the last 10 games of the season, I want to say it was 7. So, like, they're losing games by an average of three points more than they did when they were intentionally doing everything they could to lose games last year. It was 4.5 last year, actually. Even better. So, so like, again, just we're in a position where they're losing real bad. So when you see a game like the Raptors game where everything just kind of works the way we've all been asking for, and then we come into the Kings game and you do none of that. Mm Mm-hmm. And we get shellacked. That has to be questions asked of a coach. It just has to be. Because you, you, we all understand players make mistakes and players are going to have good games and bad games. But when all the players have bad games, all at the same time, and it happens from the first quarter, and you don't even really have like the third quarter surge that makes it look competitive before you get blown out again in the fourth. Like You don't have any of it. That it, it, I'm sorry. It's, I have a problem with that. A big problem with that. I mean, I would say it would have looked a lot worse if it wasn't for Sadiq and Cade in the second quarter, where they got a little hot, had a couple points, kind of kept us within range of the, of the Kings. It was horrendous in the first quarter. The first quarter was some of the worst basketball we've seen all year. That's uh, yes, sense. and like Cade was pretty good throughout. Sadiq yeah, had he did some, one of his better games as a Pistons. Sadiq had a statistically good game, and unfortunately, it was a lot of bad process, but got a bucket stuff, uh, which just you know, it's kind of frustrating because it's like, great, we needed that, but 
you dribbled into four people and you puked up a turnaround and it just happened to roll in. Or like he had one where I think he got an assist for Cade because he dribbled it off his foot in traffic and then grabbed it again in the baseline. It's like, all right, like good results. And we need good results. Good results are not to be scoffed at, but I wish the good result came because you saw that Cade was open when you were driving and not after you picked up your fumble. And yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. We're so off on a positive start. Let's 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 go to some of the 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 more specific uh, just observations here. Cade's shot is back, which is awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. We all we all knew it should be after he missed like twenty five thousand in a row. Um, I mean, if you're a gambling man, eventually I had to turn around. But uh, he's looked like a good shooter, just like an objectively good shooter, which, you know, is what we all thought Cade Cunningham would be because he's an objectively good shooter. He's already back up to uh, 28% on the year, taking seven a game still, which is just obscene volume. He's shooting more threes than Sadiq is. Um I they come in most last... of the flow of the offense. I feel like though, that's the thing. That's the weird, the weird part of it. Well, yeah, is... they're all they're all good. I don't feel like he's forcing um, them up. <laughs> yeah, they're all good. And I, I was going to pull up the uh, the last couple games, just the last five here, because I want to say that the last five games he's a forty percent three point shooter. Yeah, he's forty one percent right now. Oh. In the last five games, so like that's really heartening to see. He's shooting the the little step backs and the little um, pull up series threes. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where, like, sometimes they defend him like he's Killian, and then he just burns the shit out of him for it, and I love that. Like, we, we definitely see where, like, some of Killian's holes are in his game when Cade just, like, has this, <laughs> like, stunning in-and-out iso dribble that gets him to the rim and punches it over somebody, and it's like, oh, all right, this is, like, the difference between a guy who's really good, but, like, has a lot to work on, and a guy who's, like, already... Just like yeah, a rotational like, NBA star, someone who's already, Cade's like, already a, a rotational NBA star. Like he'd be the second best player on just about every team in the league, except for like two. <laughs> There's like, more than that, but <laughs> I'll seed your point. Like how many would you? How would you rather have the Lakers, Nets? Okay. <laughs> There's one, two. There's one, two. Um, Brooklyn. Let's see. Probably the Bucks. Oh, sorry, I said I Nets. Brooklyn, uh, the Bucks. I was, I was going with is like okay. And do I get healthy Kawhi? Suddenly, no. Suddenly, the oh, list damn. like starts getting short. Like, would I rather have Cade Levine or CJ and McCall? DeRozan? Levine DeRozan. Cade plays defense. <laughs> like by the like, I, and and again, I th- this is both a I was right and a little bit of a mea culpa on DeRozan. Like he's been awesome, and uh, and also I called it that he could be awesome if he started passing, learned how to play make, but like also he's still shit on defense. Uh, Sadiq Bey roasted the hell out of him in that, uh, I think it was the first Bulls game. But, like, I, I don't think that's a stretch to be like, he's now, like, at least an average second best player in the NBA. Yeah, that I can agree with. That That is a lot less of a hot take than <laughs> you can't name more than two. And I can, I can name, like, two guys where I'm like, yes, that's definitely it. But, like, I just go down the list and it's like, the Boston guys. I mean, I like them I'd both, rather have Cade. But I'd rather yeah. have, like, especially if we get to, like, Cade after 60 games of experience in the NBA. Like, I'm pretty sure I'd rather have Cade. And that's no diss to those guys. That's just how good Cade is if he's a 40% three-point shooter. 
And I think it could be a diss to Tatum because Tatum has been woof. It's been horrendous. These I feel like for his level of uh, played last year. That's all. Yeah, I just I, I expect that to turn, but you know, I just he's been really good. He's been really good at all the things we thought he'd be really good at. Um, he's been good at things that we weren't totally sure he'd be like. Him being able to just sauce up OG and Anobi. I'm sorry, OG. I, or I'm sorry, Scotty Barnes. I, I called you OG on the highlight clip, and then everyone got mad at me because I called out the wrong person. Look, it's very stressful when you're clipping 60 things a game. All right, there's just a lot. <laughs> you don't always check the player number before you grab stuff. This is a safe space. Continue to vent. You see two six nine black dudes, and you're just like, I have to pick one, and it turns out to be the wrong one. I'm sorry. Um, but, like... <laughs> He had that double cross series on OG that was just disgusting. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Especially awesome. like the Kings might have been statistically his best game, Cade in a Pistons uniform, but the Raptors felt like Those some the of the best plays. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the little in he, and out he gave Scotty Barnes, where Scotty just like immediately was like, shit, and pulled his jersey. <laughs> Which is like it's yep. it's the it's the preemptive pass interference call where it's like I try yep, to get yep. this pass interference at the fifteen and not the forty five. Like yep, I it's the Tyreek just gave me a double move and I am going to take him down with me. I love yep, that was that. exactly what that was. I loved that. That was, was it's a great move. And like he's doing the dirty work when it comes to just like getting inside and finishing some of the ugly ones, and he still hasn't like really recovered his touch that we saw in college, um, on like some of the floaters and stuff. So uh yeah. Really, really, really love um, seeing that stuff from Cade. Was there a, Cade was there Cunningham in a Pistons? Go ahead. Cade in a Pistons uniform will make it worthwhile to watch this horrendous <laughs> team for the next however many years. He oh is my God! Could a, you imagine? Right now, he's a phenomenal game player. Without Cade, <laughs> that would <laughs> that would rather take cyanide at that had point. To call emergency services on me because I probably <laughs> would have drank an entire bottle of something, and it probably wouldn't have even been alcohol. <laughs> um, did you did you have an item you wanted to call out? I've got a couple more. So I got one in particular, which is that <sighs> the Pistons are really going to miss Kelly Olynyk. Yeah, <laughs> especially watching some quick highlights back of that Rockets game since it was so long ago. I needed a refresher of it. You know who uh, else earlier the today. Pistons miss? <laughs> what? You know who else the Pistons miss? Sekou I'm Dumbuya. sure a lot of people. Oh yes. Of course. You know, you know who would don't, be really nice to have to right now? <laughs> a 6'9", lanky forward who could play the 4 and the 5 and absorb some fouls and run in transition. Uh, yeah, just saying. So you're telling me you'd rather have Seku playing at the 5 than Luka Garza? Just a little bit. I do have to quick touch on Garza now that I brought him up because he got fucking baptized by Jared Allen twice in that Cavs game. Yeah. Like, like little kid on the playground going up against the varsity like dunker like that was i got yelled at by someone for clipping like two straight bad defensive possessions in the king's game and i was like i don't know what you want from me like yeah this is the only thing of note that's happened in the last like seven plays is luca garza getting toasted and i want to say in the king's game he worked his ass off he was rebounding. He, he, he was. I have to give right him credit. Play. He's always trying. He's always hustling, and that's what I like about him. But he's just like he's not an NBA player. <sighs> but like he he, it, it's not a lack of effort at all. And like, yeah, no. there were stretches where he was the second best player on the Pistons, which is which is like 
Terrifying, yeah. You can't see Webster's face right now, but he just like it looked like I just like shot acid into his face. Like it was bad. I was trying to, I was trying to physically move my eyeballs back through my skull. Yeah, but like there were a couple stretches where that was the case, and it's mostly just down to effort. And like, yeah, I wish there were other players in that spot, but you can't fault him for the effort. So, uh, some kudos to him for that. Yeah. Yeah, Where Kelly Olenek is going to be widely missed because I felt like, especially in that Rockets game when I was watching it back, he was he was playing with a chemistry with a Cade Cunningham, with a Gillian Hayes, with Sadiq, with Jeremy Grant in that game that was like, oh, that's why they brought him in. This is a guy who's played rotation minutes in the NBA for, what, like eight, ten years now and just gets it. And he knows where to be in the right spot. He knows when to take a shot. He knows when to fake a defender and get a pass to it. He's an NBA basketball player who could make a rotation on pretty much any team in the league and he was showing it in that game and now he's going to be out for a month and it's going to suck that we're going to have to replace those minutes with Luca Garza and my boy Trey Lyles yeah um I will say there were a couple moments in the Rockets game where like Jalen Green realized that he literally cannot defend drop in a drop like the 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 Kelly can't jump and just like toasted (laughs) him and I was like oh oh buddy like (laughs) <laughs> if the rookies I mean, can see this, oh, buddy. Um, I mean, yes, but he makes up for it on the offensive end. He gets in the right places defensively when he can. It's going to happen with any big man nowadays in today's game. Any true center is going to get the young, athletic, you know, point guard, two guard but, is going to be able so, to roast you every once in a while. So, I mean, yet in one-on-ones, yes. In drop defense, not necessarily. But, like, drop defense is so much about reputation. Like, it's so much about whether or not the, the guard believes you're a threat to do something. And, like, Isaiah Stewart is not a great leaper, but he's got really great hands, he's got really great positioning, and he's pretty smart about when to jump, and, like, guards just respect him. I don't, I'm don't. i not necessarily yeah. sure he's got tools that are so much better than Kelly Olynyk, but he's already playing drop defense way smarter than Kelly does. And he just has a reputation of being like way more aggressive in going for lobs and stuff, and people just don't challenge him. And uh, you know, it's it was just like one of those moments where I was like, oh, uh, right, yes, Kelly still like can't do that. <laughs> like there, yeah. there, you know, Kelly is still not the center of the future or anything like that. Like there's still a need to find well, no. <laughs> someone else. Kelly is the center of Kelly is the center of 2015. <laughs> That's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue that, but. I think he he just looked like someone who could fit in well with the team around him. And it's sad that he won't be playing for a week for a month. So Um We talked a lot about my Jeremy Grant takes earlier, so Okay. I don't think I have much more to say with that. Uh a a, a little uh pour one out moment for the uh the blocks that Gabe Brown and Isaiah Stewart had that got totally robbed by the officials on the same day, I'm pretty sure it was. I'm pretty sure it was the Rockets oh, game. Yeah. And the MSU game, I think, were the same day, and both of them had a gigantic yep. block called off, and I was mad. I still have that note in my phone from like a week and a half ago or whatever that was, mm-hmm. because I was mad. The Rockets game was also fixed as fuck. That was... <laughs> it a, definitely was. That was so... <laughs> that was obviously, people referee. were trying to, to move the line on that one, and it was that was really bad. Um, the NFL ref snuck in for a minute. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean... Which of these leagues has had a match-fixing scandal <laughs> that, like, was Fair. very public and who's, where the best friend is still officiating in finals games? 
Well, the difference is the NBA, it's the officials rigging it. In the NFL, it's the league fixing well, it. Yes. There's a difference. Yes, it's very true. It's, it's, uh, it's a difference between a petty crime and, you know, organized crime. That's this is the difference here. <laughs> um, one is like someone just running a gambling ring out of their house. The other one is a crime syndicate that has, you know, old sports gambling and all that kind of stuff. You didn't have to bring FanDuel into this. Come on. Um, uh, a random wrinkle here they have almost always started games with a uh, a play a set play to get a shooter open and i don't rem- i don't remember what they ran for um the raptors and for the kings but i know that for the rockets game they opened with the spain set which i really liked that they just like came right out with it and it got a great look yep. um that we might have really stood out i mean we i love the spain stuff but uh it's just like it was it was very noticeable to me because like i always clip the first offensive set it's almost always the first thing i start the threads with and it's almost always like you know the wayne ellington plays right they come off a hawk screen or a floppy screen it's you know it's a a pin down for a shooter and and we go and it was like okay they can't find a good shooter and they open it up with a spain set where uh, they run some motion into uh, to get the ball into Cade's hands, and then they immediately run the Spain, and I think they got a wide open three out of it, and I was like, oh, yep, look at that, look at that, we do know what we're <laughs> doing after all, and then we did Running good offense equals points. Yeah. Who would have thought? Um, you got something else? Nah, that's pretty much it. That's all I got. So, I don't have many takes for this. I knew you were going to come in hot. Yeah, Killian is now officially like shooting the ball, like shooting, shooting the ball, and has mm-hmm. been like the Pistons' like second or third best shooter now that Cade is like recovering. Uh, had a bad Kings game with, I think, three or four misses, but, like, it's already pretty clear that he can play next to Cade. Like, if he's shooting 38% yeah, on catch-and-shoot threes, we're fine. We're good. We don't have to worry about any of that noise. Like, he's... Uh, and, and then, I I don't know if we have time for me to wax about the defense. Um, I think we've done a lot of unwaxing at the moment. But, uh... Holy shit, he's been awesome on defense. And, like, there's still some glaring holes in what he does. Like, he's still almost always a step too far in help. Mm-hmm. But if he's anywhere near the ball, my God. Yeah, when he's on ball, it's... <laughs> he's he's it's like... like I, I called early that, like, he could be, like, a Drew Holiday level of, like, bully. And he's mm-hmm. being, like, a Drew Holiday level of bully right now. It's, yeah, like it's that's a great comp on defense like he just overpowers especially some of the guys that he has the size over when he when he gets put on those smaller guards i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be a fun matchup with those two i've been using defensively with the trade i've been using ricky rubio as like his his like median pro comp because ricky rubio is like a similar guy where he's got a little bit of offensive struggles but he's also a great point uh a great playmaker and like Rubio has mm-hmm. always been just like, oh, he's surprisingly six four and like has great hands defensively yep. and just like kind of sneaky like that. But like Killian's actually being like a bully. Like he's he's being yeah. mean. <laughs> he's like being intentionally mean. And we don't see that too often, but like there's a little bit of Drew Holiday ish stuff going <laughs> where like Evan Mobley tries to back him down. He's just like, No, 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 no. Not, not, not I'm quite. not having that. <laughs> not having that. And I love that. I love that very much. People are starting to like yep. celebrate my son with me, and it's you know, it's very heartwarming. It's like a birthday party or something. Um, everyone else's defense has been pretty shit, though. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Like yeah, there's been some horrendous defense. There, there's played. been there's been some people other than, other than Killian. There's been some people that I like who are like they talked about Frank Jackson as being like a good perimeter defender. Um, and they're like, yeah, you know, he's Based a three on. and D guy, and it was just like, have y'all have y'all watched? What? 
like him like when he comes around a screen he, he doesn't reattach ever like he, you, his man is just free now he's not physical like there's just like there's some stuff that we just i don't want to roast too many people's defense you know um Hami gets a lot of credit tr- for activity that isn't really impactful, which some games it is and some games it isn't. And part of that's just Hami, you know, it's a similar thing with Josh. But you know, yeah, I was like, Hami and Josh are in the same realm for that. Like, I think it was Where Sam. They're moving think, around and who knows what it, if it's good or bad. I think it was Sam Vecini who was like, oh, I've kind of given up on Killian Hayes. I want to see Frank Jackson because he can shoot and defend a little bit. And I was just like, Sam, take a lap, buddy. Like, I, I love you, but take a lap because that is <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a horrendous take. Um, I don't know what what like what of Frank's defense are you getting out about? Like I don't, I, I, I don't see I, it at all. I honestly don't know. Like he was he was one of those guys where like in college he could get after you, but like he gets blown off his spot and blown off screens. And people don't like what Killian does on screens because he fights and gets caught on a lot of them. And the thing yeah. is, Killian lets his arm get caught by like the the savvy screeners just grab his arm. They grab his right mm-hmm. arm every time he goes around screens, especially. Like he just has to like be better at that, but yeah. Um, I don't. I don't see anything about Frank Jackson that screams good on defense. From anything I've watched of him, I love Frank. I think his offenses can come and go, but he is. Uh, I'm hoping he's he's coming. He's need to be an offensive scorer. He needs to be a microwave for us if he wants to get play t- playing time because defensively, so, I don't. I don't see it. So one last little thing and one last big thing. Um, I've hinted at the big thing a couple times. The little thing is Killian's also rejecting screens now. Um, and like racing people to the rim. And like, that's just a thing that we didn't see at all, uh, last year. Yeah. And it's a thing that we saw a lot of from him in Europe. And it's just like a nice sign that he's like starting to gain a little bit of trust in himself. Cause I, I've said it before. Yeah. And the confidence right there. He came in that first game, got the shit kicked out of him by NBA shot blockers and just didn't recover. And he's still struggled with that ever since. But, like, we've seen him dust James Harden, which, you know, not the hardest thing, but, like, Harden is a <laughs> yeah, funky, he's a funky defender. We've seen him dust he's weird. Durant. <laughs> yeah. We've seen him dust Giannis Antetokounmpo. We've seen him reject multiple screens and race guys to the rim. Like, there is, he's having a moment where he's starting to realize he's, like, athletic again. And that's a really big thing. I, I don't think we've talked about his time in Europe as much, but, like, his leaps from year to year in Europe were actually like pretty significant in terms of like understanding his athleticism. So I think he, you know, I, I think the setback last year, especially with the injury was just like a lot more severe than people realized. Um, you know, and I really urge, um, if people have not read, uh, PD Webb's work, he's at above the break three on Twitter, an exceptional draft scout, Go, uh, go find his Patreon. All his Patreon stuff is free. And uh, go read his Killian Hayes scouting piece from like two and a half years ago. And just watch the... You don't have to read all of it. He's, he's a very verbose writer. I love him very much. <laughs> uh, but you don't have to read all of it. Just watch the clips. And you'll be like, that's not the player I've seen in the pros. Because he's mm-hmm. saucing people. Like, it, it's like and one stuff. And you're like, oh, that's what he... Like, that's the level of confidence he's lost. But that's what happens if he gets it back. <laughs> And yep. I, I look forward to it. Um, Agreed. Okay. The final thing I have is uh, we I touched on it earlier, but like, thank God we're staggering Killian and Cade minutes now. I, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I think will be most beneficial to the team 
making sure to put them on opposite sides. Not just, not for even like a competitive advantage, just more to get, you know, the ball in their hands a little bit more. To make sure it's not just relegated to just, you know, Cade getting the ball and Killian having to play off it. Like, if we want Killian to develop, we're going to need to have him get some time away from Cade. Now, I don't think, looking at the minutes over the last couple games, I don't think it's as prolific as you're stating it to be. I think it was just, you know, Cade was hot against the Kings and got a little bit more run. Whereas Killian got to the the bench a little bit more. The Toronto game but, was very noticeable that they changed the rotations. Because um, we got we got a lot more of, of one plus Kojo and not both of them together. We got a little bit more of it. Not as much as I would like of it, I will say. From looking at the minutes here, looking at, you know, basketball reference, seeing what the, the minutes chart was played out to be. It just seems like there was a little bit more... Well, I don't know if they Just played a couple minutes here and there. Uh, have I ever linked you to my the website I use, Ball and Box Score? Uh, not. I mean, I'm sure you have at some point. <laughs> if you if you just go to ballandboxscore.com, ball and spelled like like he's balling, B-A-L-L-I-N, boxscore.com, they have this great graphic that has the game flow, uh, you know, the peaks and valleys game flow chart plus a full minutes rotation plus an every event thing all charted out, and it's very lovely. Um, and like you look at that and you look at a couple of the different games and like, it's very clear that guys are getting staggered slightly differently, especially Cade's minutes. Um, you know, I don't think they were playing more or less. I just think they were playing different minutes, but those different minutes were very noticeable in, you know, what they were doing in those minutes. And I appreciated that very much. That's a lesson that needed to be learned. It took us probably a week longer to learn it than we should have, but we've learned it finally. And I hope yeah, that but I think definitely, definitely in like the second and third quarter, I think we should definitely be staggering them a little bit more. Where, you know, Kate is on, then Killian's on, back and forth. I think it's something that you know, I don't know. We we've talked about it before. I don't think it's quite getting done to the percentage you are saying it is, based on what I've seen. But hopefully, it's something we can see a little bit more in the future. All right, that I think is my list for today. Uh, also, we haven't talked about it since like the. The college basketball started, but holy shit, Paolo Bancaro. I enjoyed that opening night for Duke very much. That's all, that's all I want to say. That makes one of us. The, uh, the, the Paolo Bancaro, like, 25-point explosion or whatever it was, was very fun. And I, I see Bishop still in a close game. I am looking uh, very closely at him respectfully <laughs> for uh, <laughs> respectfully for uh, this, this upcoming draft, let me tell you. Also... How shit are the rest of the NBA that we're like fourth in tankathon rate ratings right now? It's wild. The Rockets are one in twelve or something like that. Y'all suck. Y'all <laughs> y'all suck on a scale that's unbelievable, unfathomable suckage right there. I really wanted to. What I was thinking when I was watching the Pistons Rockets game is like, was this this is the worst like winning percentage of two teams playing on primetime? It was like one in the Pistons were like one in eight. The Rockets were like one in nine. I'm trying to think of like who could compete. <laughs> like, would it would it be like the the, would it be like the previous I, uh, the the six? It had to be like a Knicks team. A Knicks team. Was, were the Bobcats still bad in that era? Were, the Suns probably would have been real shit. No, it had to be. It had to be like a bad Lakers team or a bad Knicks team. It had to be thrown in there with like a 76ers maybe. The so Knicks and Knicks and Lakers had I mean, some bad teams of, recently. Because because that uh, the, the 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 Sixers ended up with a 13 win season. Oh, just woof. Like I, I mean that that was what is, a horrible what, what, year. What network is this Michigan game on? FS1. What a 
FS1. Okay, I'm going to try and pull that up here. <laughs> it seems like All there's right, a game. That sounds like our cue to go home. <laughs> I think we'll see Jake all. needs to focus in. Jake doesn't want to be on air <laughs> for the end of this game. <laughs> Next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>